1: Hope everyone's having a wonderful start to their Friday as we embark on the final edition of the program this week. It is a free-for-all Friday, and I'll explain what that means in a moment, but I am Mike Heck, not quite fully caffeinated just yet. I do have my large black iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts to my left, so I'm getting there, but like I said, it is a free-for-all Friday, which means for 95% of the show, it is your questions. It is your calls. It is your thoughts on the sport of mixed martial arts or whatever the hell you want to talk about. If you want to talk about UFC 273, we can talk about UFC 273. If you want to talk about WrestleMania this weekend, we can talk about WrestleMania this weekend. We can talk about whatever you want. But before we get into that, a couple things to discuss. First off, it is April 1st. Let's get into the MMA birthdays right off the bat on this April 1st because I want to start things on a positive note when it comes to this date. Happy 45th birthday to Vitor Belfort, by the way. We last saw him compete for Triller in a boxing match against freaking Evander Holyfield back in November. I got to experience that event live, and it broke my heart pretty much the entire week. He was supposed to compete on that Triad Combat 2 card a couple weeks ago in Houston before it got postponed, but... I've talked about this many times before. He's a guy I want to interview so bad following the Holyfield stoppage win and all the Jake Paul stuff. It's I've said it. I've talked about this not but happy birthday to the former UFC champion. Also Derek Campos is 34 longtime Bellator staple. He's also been doing stuff with Triller. Ramsey Nijem is 34. Also, he was in the UFC for a hot minute, two seasons on the ultimate fighter. He's at the PFL for a little while and more and Muhammad Usman, the brother of UFC welterweight champion, a man many consider the pound-for-pound best fighter on the planet, is 33. So happy birthday to everybody there. Shout-out to everybody. So it is their day of birth. But we all know what else April 1st stands for, right? It is April Fool's Day. And I see a couple people in the MMA media space on here right now. And for those who work in this MMA media landscape, this day in particular... For lack of a better term, better phrasing, it sucks. It sucked diddly ucks because this is the day where people come out of the woodwork. They create clone accounts. They put out fake news. They're trying to take advantage of wonderful fans like yourselves, trying to lure you into these false senses of security. It's a sucky day. And and not only does... The phony baloney news come out, but it takes away from the actual real news that comes out because people just don't believe it when things happen on this day. They think it's phony. They think it's a joke. And oftentimes that has not been the case. And I'm just trying to think off the top of my head because I know a couple of things have happened on April Fool's Day that stick in my mind over the last five or six years. And maybe there's more than this, but just kind of going off the top of the dome here. Most of the stuff, not good. Like two years ago, the pandemic is kicking off. Things are starting to get real wild and scary out there. Everything's starting to shut down. The UFC is like, "Uh uh-uh, everyone else is getting canceled. Everyone else is postponing events. We're not doing that. So the UFC goes ahead and books a fight between Habib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson for UFC 249. What a crazy build to that card because there was date changes and location changes and all Disney stepping in and shutting things down and all of that. In April 1st, 2020, that's when we find out that, we found out that Habib was not going to be able to compete on that card. There was a lot going on with travel and the pandemic and family stuff. And it was totally understandable why Habib didn't fight. So that was the latest chapter in the Habib-Tony Ferguson rivalry. When coincidentally enough, two years before that, two years prior, April 1st, 2018, Again, Habib Tony Ferguson. They were scheduled to headline UFC 223 in Brooklyn. This time, Tony Ferguson is out of the fight. Suffers the infamous tripping injury. And this is the day we found out Max Holloway agreed to step in on short notice. It was like three weeks, maybe, maybe less than that. But of course, that was the craziest build in UFC history, especially fight week, because Max didn't end up fighting either. And the great ally, Quinta, ends up stepping in to fight Habib Magomedov on just a day's notice. And then two, we- two years before that, we found out that Daniel Cormier was injured and out of his fight with John Jones. That was scheduled to headline UFC 197. This was John Jones's long-awaited return. He ended up fighting Ovin St. Prue on that card at UFC 197 for the interim light heavyweight title and won a fight that did, t- to say it as respectfully as possible, it did not age like fine wine that unanimous decision victory for John Jones. Oh yeah, and then I forgot. I think it was last year, right? Let me let me just uh, let me just make sure I have my, my dates correctly. Yes, it was last year. So last year, you guys probably remember this. This wasn't a UFC thing or a Bellator thing or anything like that, but CFFC 94, Kitag Pliev, the Canadian fighter, almost lost a damn finger in his fight against Devin Goodale. And I remember April 2nd to this day because Kateg Pliev goes to the hospital that night to get his finger reattached because it was basically detached from his hand. It hung on by a thread, goes to the hospital, gets his finger fixed up, hops in the car, and as soon as he leaves the hospital to go in the car and travel, I believe he's traveling to Cincinnati, he hops on a Zoom call with me and <laughs> talks all about the finger injury. So... That guy is always going to be a legend and a savage and an animal for as long as I, as long as I work in this space, that's for sure. But all I have to say is, be careful. It is April first. Be careful of the tweets you see. Make sure you verify them. Make sure they have the blue, they have the uh, the old blue check mark next to their name. Make sure you do your due diligence before you believe the stuff that comes out on this day. And if it does come from someone like Ariel Hawani or the great folks at MMA fighting or people that you know and trust, just believe that it's true because we're not just going to throw out stuff that isn't true. All right. So I just hope the streak of every two years, something major happening in a bad way to these UFC fights comes to an end today. So, all right. It's a free for all Friday. We're taking your calls, whatever you want to talk about, bring them in. If we run out of calls, I'll bring up some other topics. I am ready. It is Friday. I am excited. I'm going to bring in Tito little bit, Ortiz. I'm sure there's probably more to uh, to that name, but let's bring Tito in there. Tito, are you there? Make sure you unmute. Are you there? Hi, everyone. I'm, yeah, I'm right here. What's up? How's it
2: going? I just wanted to say hi to everyone. I haven't got anything for Edwin yet. Sorry. All
1: right. Well, thank you. Good morning. All right, everyone's just I, I like it. I like it. A, a morning greeting. Zeke has been waiting. He's oh for two. Normally, when we do these spaces like the pre prelim pre games, Zeke's like right there, ready to go. He's always like the first caller, and I haven't seen him for these past two shows. But he is here. He is ready. He's got the first topic of the day. What's up, Zeke? Wow.
3: Absolutely. Curveball ball out of right field, changing up the times on me. In the time zone, the Eastern time zone eight oh nine, I'm looking at. Mike Heck, you're making me set my alarm. But here nor there, I'm gonna bring you to Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler, and then I'm gonna ask you another question about I mean, arguably the people's main event coming up on UFC two hundred seventy three. But let's bring the energy on this uh, you know, heck of a morning on this Friday. I'm excited. So uh first things first. First, obviously, we're looking at Chandler and Ferguson and that line just opened up. Uh, minus two hundred, now it's going up to minus three hundred. Does Tony Ferguson weirdly have a fighting chance, Mike? I have a feeling he does. I think that if Ferguson can think that if Ferguson can survive the first round, he definitely has a chance. And then uh, with that being said, if with that being said, if Hamza chamiev picks up Gilbert Burns in the first round and walks him over to Dana White. What do we do, Mike? So my first question is, what do we do with Ferguson? If he does somehow beat Chandler or if the inevitable does happen and Father Time undefeated does take care of him against Chandler, what do we do next matchmaking-wise? And then, of course, I I, I honestly just want to talk about Hamzat. I mean, the guy is just – is so hard not to talk about. With that being said, what do we expect? Do we expect the fight week media hype to, you know, do what it
1: does best? What do you think, man? I'm excited. All right. Thank you, Zeke. A lot to unpack there. The Chandler Ferguson fight is interesting. I think it's the right matchup for both guys at the right time. I understand the line. I, I understand the line moving so quickly because people probably saw the minus 200 and were like, all right. They just have a lot of faith in Michael Chandler against a guy who wasn't wa- hasn't won a fight in a long time. And not only that, he hasn't even really been competitive in a fight in a long time, if we're being honest. But that's what happens when you fight guys like Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje can change your life. And I feel like Justin Gaethje kind of changed Tony Ferguson's professional life in that fight at UFC 249, which you just talked about, because Habib didn't fight. Justin Gaethje comes in, interim title on the line. Justin Gaethje just kind of batters Tony Ferguson for twenty. 20- over 20 minutes because the fight ends ends in the fifth round i mean ferguson is still a big draw people love him when he fights the people come out in full force for him they cheer the hell out of this guy they love him they love el Kakui. so obviously for his championship aspirations he needs to win this fight because time is is not on his side if we're being honest but if he loses it's not like the end of tony ferguson like he still has fun fights. He can go up to 170. He can just do fun fights. He could, you know, fight the the Cerrone's of the world and and those types of fighters. He could go up and, and just have fun fights. He could put other guys over. He could just have legend fights. Like these are the kinds of fights we would want to see from from Tony Ferguson. Hell, he can go fight Jim Miller for all I care. Like these are the kind of fights you would you would book him in moving forward. If he beats Michael Chandler, unfortunately the road doesn't get much easier for him. I don't know what happens if he if he wins that fight, but he still have, would have a long way to go in terms of getting to a title fight or getting to, you know, one of those gigantic opportunities. Who knows? Maybe even Connor is an interesting idea for if he goes out there and is competitive and Connor just wants to come back and he can't get the Nate fight, and you want to try to give him just a, a fun matchup that people will watch and people will tune into, even the casual audience, you could do Tony versus Connor. So I mean the options are there, win or lose. Uh, unless he just gets absolutely bolted by Michael Chandler. Like Chandler just 30-25s him or knocks him out in a minute. Like, I don't know if that happens. But I do agree that if this fight gets extended, Ferguson is 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 kind of an interesting underdog in this fight. I do favor Michael Chandler to win, but we'll see. That chaos comes through. As far as Hamza Chemaev goes, if he just goes in there and he picks up Gilbert Burns, brings him to Dana White, slams him and finishes him in a minute, I mean, this guy's fighting for the title. There's no doubt about it. And I will say this, and I know most people would would say that Leon Edwards is next in line and, and all that, and he should be 1,000%. But if I am Leon Edwards, if I am his management team, I am making sure that over the next seven days, we get that fight official, we get pen to paper, we get that thing on a poster, we get this thing announced. Now, we know Kamar Usman is dealing with an injury, but we need some, like Dana White at his word. We want to respect it, but at the same time, Dana has said lots of things that didn't end up happening. It's just the way that it is. I'm not trying to be a hater. It's just the way that it is. History has told us that sometimes Dana White says things that don't actually happen. But if I am Leon Edwards, if, if this is 99%, that is not enough for me. I need 100% guarantee that I am fighting Kamar Usman in July or in August or whatever he can fight. and we have some sort of UFC social media announcement put these guys in a poster, make it official because if Hamza Chemaik goes out there and does what he did to Jing Leong to Gilbert Burns at UFC 273. I mean, who, would, who, would, who would be surprised if the UFC just called an audible, it wouldn't be fair. And it would suck really Leon Edwards. It would be awful, but who would be surprised? The answer is nobody. So if I'm Leon Edwards, I am on the phone with UFC. I am on the phone with the matchmakers. I'm on the phone with Hunter Campbell. We got to get a date. We got to get something. Let's at least put pen to paper on on something. If we got to push the fight back, if Kamara's injury is is taking a little longer than expected, we'll just move the fight back a little bit. But we have to get this thing done because if Shabayev does that, I'm still not 100% convinced that Leon Edwards will get the title shot unless something happens and the UFC makes it official before that. So we'll see. Looking forward to that fight. I would say... If you polled 100 MMA fans, despite the two title fights, I think the Shamaya-Gilbert Burns fight is probably on the top of everybody's list right now in terms of what we're looking forward to at UFC 273. And I will be there. I'm very excited for that. I haven't covered a UFC event since UFC 244 (laughs) in freezing cold New York. So I'm excited to go to Jacksonville with my man Jose Youngs and uh, just crush some coverage. Bobby, good morning. How are you? Doing well. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. What's going on? Uh, Just a quick question. What the heck is up with Ben Rothwell's
4: release? And do you see him possibly going to PFL to replace Verdum in their heavyweight division?
1: Interesting thought. That's a good question, Bobby. Thank you very much. Yes. So if, if you didn't know, MMA Fighting reported that Ben Rothwell was released from the UFC. And we talked about Ben Rothwell getting ready to fight Alexander Gustafson. On May 21st, Alexander Gustafson is still on that card. Opponent TBD. UFC's trying to figure something out. As far as why Ben Rothwell is released, I have no idea. I have no clue. No one's talking. I've reached out to multiple people about this. Uh, Nobody knows the real answer to this. I've talked to people from Gustafson's team. Uh, I've reached out to people from Rothwell's side, haven't heard anything back from them. Uh, The Gustafson side, they have no idea what's happening right now. They have no idea. It just seems... I I have I don't know, but you would have to think that it's probably not a good thing because this seems very random. So I don't think it's just a simple like Rothwell was injured. Oh, come on now, he's cut. Something probably happened behind the scenes. I mean, who knows? Could be like a career-ending injury. It could be something. It could be something else. I don't know. If this is pure speculation, but it's something that is not probably not a good thing. That's and i have no insight to this whatsoever but just seems so random and out of the blue that yeah i don't know what happened but gustin still still planning to fight on may 21st and i don't know who the hell he's gonna fight so
0: the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from paris france reigning bantamweight champ patchy mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Dumbay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't
1: miss it. Let's bring in Garrett Trammell on this free-for-all Friday. Garrett, good morning. How are you? Just make sure you unmute. There, hey, Mike, how you doing? How are you? Good. So... What's I've on? just got kind of a random question general on the UFC
3: and lawsuit. Do you think that once that whole thing is done and taken care of that, we're going to see some real change in the MMA world. Like, I mean, personally, I think the UFC may
1: have to take a step back and become not a second tier player, but at least let Bellator and one, you know, and potentially even Eagle FC step up and become more first tier. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Garrett. Uh, let me just say, and I am an honest man. I am full of integrity I am aware of the antitrust lawsuit. I have not dove into the antitrust lawsuit as much as I probably should have. Shame on me. Uh, The folks at Bloody Elbow have done a fantastic job covering the antitrust lawsuit. So anytime I have to even look at anything, I go to those guys because they have done such a tremendous job. As far as change goes, I mean, first of all, anytime that there is a lawsuit against a major league or company or promotion it takes a long time for it to come to its conclusion so like payments and you know all that stuff it, it could take a long time before you have a decision and then even after that it could take even longer to get restitution and things like that so as far as the change goes maybe i would say unlikely i mean it could happen but it, it i will say don't hold your breath. I will be in probably in my fifties before any kind of change could potentially happen. But even if, even if this comes out monumental, I don't know if it changes the structure of the sports and payouts. I don't know if the Aliac comes into play. I don't know what, I mean, I don't, I have no idea. I doubt it. I would say for those looking for positive change and looking for it quick, it ain't going to happen. You still need the fighters to come together and, and work this out. And we all know that that's probably not going to happen. You will read, uh, I believe my interview with Joe Lozon is coming out today and you'll get his thoughts on it. And people might look at that interview and look at Joe in a, in a negative light, because even he, he even says himself, like some people look at me and they think I'm, I'm anti fighter. It's he's not, he's just looking at things from a realistic perspective. Like if Joe Lozon wasn't a UFC lightweight, and he was just an actual like fight analyst, if they brought him on SportsCenter as an analyst for mixed martial arts and they asked him about fighters and associations and potential unions and stuff like that, this would be the kind of answer that he would give, and he probably wouldn't get the same flack that he gets as a fighter. So I actually understand where he's coming from, and as much as we hate to admit it, as much as we hate to read it, he's not wrong. And you'll read that a little bit later. So, yeah... Maybe there's some change. I doubt it. And if it does happen, it's not going to happen for a little while. So let's bring in Patrick. Patrick, good morning. How are you? Mike. You're in the car. I love it. Yeah, I'm commuting.
4: I want to start off with a little Friday morning flattery, if you will. I want to say uh, – I started listening to the MMA podcasts with Jose and Pete C, you know, talking about crystals and everything, like 2019. Then when you came in, right during the pandemic, I just want to say thank you for, you know, getting us through the, getting me through the lockdown, lots of long walks with the dogs, uh, watching all of those Saturday night, every week, MMA cards, and uh, keeping me in the loop. I just want to say thanks. That's
1: it? No, no, I got more. I'm Okay, I appreciate that. I was like, uh oh, this is—is is this the compliment sandwich, or am I about to get a bash right now? And then maybe you end it in, I love your bald spot or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so I was going
4: to chime in uh, about the welterweight situation. Uh, okay. So after Kamaru won uh, against Colby. I got this sense that he wanted to take a step back, and I came up with this plan that somehow the UFC was going to try to force Leon out, you know, and that uh, they would probably do something uh, Leon versus Luque, and then possibly. Oh, and so the injury thing played right into my narrative because I was like, okay, I think they're going to want to create an interim. And when Kamaru got hurt, I was like, okay, this is perfect. They're going to try to somehow force Leon to fight someone else, get him out of the picture, because it seems like Kamaru really just wants super fights. Like, Leon just does not fit into where he's at in his career, and he's chasing legacy. Um, And, you know, that just seems to be the story with Leon. I I don't think it's fair, but... um, Do you think that there could be any truth to that, that they're going to, maybe there's going to come out a story, there's going to be complications with uh, Kamaru's hand and he's going to have to sit out another eight months um, and that will force an interim? I know it's a little conspiracy theory. as tinfoil out,
1: but what do you think? (laughs) I I got you. Uh, Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate the kind words. I appreciate you listening in the car. This is kind of like what I want. This is like how I dreamt up the show in my brain. Like people driving in the car, listening while they work or on their way to work on the way home, whatever. Like, uh, I, I love that. And thank you very much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. I will say I'm, I was kind of on the same page as you after the Colby fight. I thought, Kamara was just going to take some time off because he's a very active champion. So I thought he was going to take some time off, spend some time with his family, maybe wouldn't see him till like the end of the year. And then I thought my whole plan was, was an interim situation as well. How do we get Leon a title fight, but get Hamzat into a title fight as well. So I thought what they were going to try to do was let Usman just kind of chill out, take some time off after all that activity that he had, and the UFC would move forward with an interim title fight between Leon Edwards and Hamzat Shemaev. And then the winner of that fight, like if Leon Edwards stops the hype train of Hamzat Shemaev, a Leon Edwards-Kamaru Usman fight instantly becomes much bigger because Leon gets the rub, and even the Jed Mishus of the world who feel like, and I don't agree with this, but Jed could be a little harsh, as you hear on BTL and all the programming, he has the attitude that just nobody cares about Leon Edwards. Like, he's not a draw, like, Nobody cares. I I don't think it's it's to that extent, but you can't deny that Hamzat Shemaev is a bigger star, is a bigger name right now than Leon Edwards. People care about Hamzat more than they, I guess, care about Leon Edwards. And maybe that's not fair with the work that Leon has put in, but they've tried the UFC has tried to give Leon the rub. They put him in there with Nate Diaz. You go out there and you blast Nate Diaz and you win win that fight and you do it convincingly and you don't have any awkward moments, you're going to get that rub. Unfortunately, it didn't happen because Leon won the fight and he beat him convincingly, but all anybody talks about was you know, those final 90 seconds, that final two minutes of that fight. And it's, it was the Nate Diaz show right after. After losing the entire fight, Nate Diaz lands the one big shot and all everyone's talking about is Nate Diaz. So I thought kvar sits out, Leon gets Hamzat, if Leon wins fight with Usman's massive. It gets Usman out of bed, gets him excited, and if Shemayev wins, no-brainer. You throw Shemayev into a title fight. That's a massive fight, too. I mean, this is just kind of how it worked out. I didn't expect even with the hand injury, I expect Usman to fight this summer, July, August, kind of too soon to tell at this point, but I, I expect to see Khabar Usman fight this summer against probably Leon Edwards, but again, like I said earlier, if you are Team Leon Edwards, we have to get this fight on the books. We have to do something. We have to get pen to paper. We have to make this official. Even if we have to move the dates back, we have to make sure Leon is in that spot. Because like I said, if Hamza Chimaev goes out there next Saturday and just destroys Gilbert Burns, like the odds makers, like the betting community is suggesting he will, it would not shock me one bit to see them call an audible. I hope they don't. Leon deserves to freaking fight for the title, and Shemaev should get the winner, no doubt about it. But again, we got to make that move happen right now. But yes, I thought I, I was kind of on the same page. I thought Kamara would would sit out for most of the year. We have an interim title fight. Have to have Shemaev in there. Have him fight Leon. Winner fights Usman in a much bigger fight. That was kind of the direction I thought was going to happen. It didn't. And looks like is going to come back. It, it, we need to stop this whole Canelo thing, because it's never, ever, 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 ever going to happen. Let's bring in Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray, what's up, Hi my man? Guys, how are you doing today, mate? Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I just wanted to ask really quickly,
3: obviously, we've been talking about Hamza a lot today, and rightfully so, obviously, probably the best prospect in the game right now. But my question to you is today, uh, we spoke about two lightweight prospects yesterday. So I'm wondering, what do you think is next for Wettelweight's second and third biggest prospects, being Shavkat, Rachmanov,
1: and Sean Brady? Oh, great question. Uh, as as many know, I'm very high on Shavkat, Rachmanov, Brady. Both guys are kind of in interesting spots right now. I'm not going to go... Normally, I would go to the only rankings that matter, the MMA Fighting Global rankings, but unfortunately, the UFC doesn't use our rankings as as much as they should. So, Sean Brady is number eight uh, in the UFC rankings. Then there's Mazadal above him Mazadal, Thompson, Bilal, Luke, Leon, Gilbert, Colby. I would say for Brady, he will likely get the loser of the main event on April 16th between Bilal Muhammad and Vicente Luque. That's how I would look at that. Shafkat Rachmanov, man, this is kind of a tough one because he's kind of in that Marab Dewalish Willie place in this division because we all know how good Marab is, and it's a terrifying matchup to fight that guy, especially coming off the Mara Moraes fight where you saw how much damage he can take. But how much damage he can inflict on top of all the takedowns and all the energy and everything else that Marab brings to the table? But I've been saying this about Marab for years now. There's not one guy in the bantamweight top 15 that is going to get an email from the UFC with a contract to open it up and be excited to fight Marab Willie. It's getting to the point where Marab keeps winning fights. You're just going to have to fight this guy, especially if you're in the top five. But I feel like Shafkot's kind of in that spot right now. I know Ponzinibbio's got a fight coming up. Maybe Li Liang. I mean, I don't know. Michael Chiesa would be interesting. I know both guys are, are managed by by the same manager. But you know what? Neil Magny. Neil Magny is the correct answer. Neil's coming off the win this past Saturday over Max Griffin. That's that's the answer. Magny versus Shafkot. That makes all the sense in the world. It's not Shmaev, but it's like almost Shmaev. It's like a triple A AAA version of Shmaev, at least in the end. Shavkat is a tremendous fighter, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just the way that people view him, you know, the drawing power, especially. But Shavkat is Shavkot's a scary man and a guy we could be talking about for for a championship opportunity in the next couple of years. I'm very high on that guy. Let's bring in Connor O'Dowd on this April 1st, on this free-for-all Friday on Heck of a Morning. Connor. good morning.
2: Wanna, uh, How are good, you? Good, man, good. want to echo, uh, I think it was Patrick's sentiments, absolutely loving the MMA fighting content recently, and uh, this show is a welcome edition. Interesting one for you. So something that we'll likely never see the UFC do, but organizations like Bellator have utilized, is the Grand Prix. And I want to get your thoughts on if the UFC were to do a Grand Prix, what division do you think would benefit from it most and what men or females would we see in that Grand Prix?
1: Oh my gosh. Wow. What a question. Oh boy. What division needs it the most? Really good question. We have to weigh in whether or not the champion would be involved because Bellator likes to get the champion involved. It's a cool addition to it, but I don't think, I mean, it's not the end of the world. I just wish I wish Bellator presented the Bantamweight Grand Prix a little bit differently because of you know the interim title situation. Like, do we need it? I mean, I understand it could be potentially more money for the fighters, but just we could just give them more money and have them fight for the interim title and the million dollars at the end of the season. I think that that would create a little more chaos. <sighs> I mean, you could really do it in any vision. Bantamweight, Bantamweight for the UFC would be the one I would want to see. Welterweight would be interesting. I know Usman, but again, we got we got some big fights coming up at Welterweight right now. Usman, Leon, potentially. We got Hamzat Gilbert Burns, and then we got Luke Mohammed. Muhammad. I mean, it would have to be Bantamweight. I'm just so high on that division. Although, lightweight's interesting as well because you got guys, you have the mainstays. You got Gaethje, you got Poirier. I mean, Gaethje's about to fight for the title anyways, but you got Izam Makachev, you got Benil Dariush, you got Chandler, you got RDA, you got Tony still, who's ranked, I think he's number seven in the UFC rankings, Gregor Gillespie. And then you have these up and coming studs like Rafael Fiziev. You got Armand Saroukian, you got Matush Gamrot. I mean, lightweight is super fun right now. And it's got some really interesting prospects. And if Oliveira goes out there and beats Justin Gaethje, I mean, you got the... And let's just say Oliveira goes out there and beats Gaethje and then he somehow beats Islam Makachev. I know New York Rick doesn't agree with anything, even hypothetically speaking, that suggests that Charles Oliveira could beat Justin Gaethje in a fight. If you watched BTL yesterday, you know what I'm talking about. But I think it would be fun just to see, like, how Fazeev would stack up against some of those guys, how Sarukian... Anyone who has listened to ranking shows or anything, you know how high I am on Armand Sarukian. I feel like this guy could beat a lot of guys in the top 10 right now. I think everybody, I'm I would pick him against the bottom half of the top 10 right now in a fight. From Chandler down to Faziv, I would pick Sarukian to beat all of those guys. Darius should be interesting. Makachev would be, and we've seen him fight Makachev, and he gave Makachev a tough fight in his UFC debut. But if you give Sarukyan a full camp to prepare for Makachev, that's an interesting fight. I would probably pick Makachev right now, but give me two or three more fights from Sirukian, and I might look at that differently. Sirukian-Poria would be interesting, and then Gaethje's just chaos. Lightweight would be fun. I think I would go with Bantamweight if I had a choice, just because I, I just that division's so deep. I almost want to see like a reverse. like Let's fill the bottom half of the top 15 Grand Prix at Bantamweight, because I just feel like it's been so long. We haven't seen like any movement really we've like Ricky Simone's up there now I think he's the latest guy to jump in there we see Sean O'Malley in there but for the most Song Dong's in the top 10 now but he's been ranked quite a bit but now we have guys like Chris Gutierrez we have guys like Jack Shore we have guys like Adrian Yanez who will be in that conversation if he gets another victory and no one's really moving up in the rankings like no one's entering that top 15 so maybe just do like a bottom half of the top 15 there's a lot of fun stuff you could do at Bantamweight um But yeah, it'd be interesting if the UFC would, you know, have some fun with some things. Toke Jensen, how are you? Um, I
3: only have one question here. And uh, it's because on the ninth, we have uh, Ardain, Marco Madsen, who's going to fight. But how do you see the prospects of a 37 year old? who's uh, still only three fights into his UFC contract, actually having a chance of going into the rankings. It seems like it's a bit too late in his career that he came over. That's
1: basically it. Good question. I Yeah, I'm not surprised by that question at all. Toke, thank you very much. Uh, I mean, with a guy like that, I would say it's never really too late. He could get up there eventually. What's he's 3-0? Gotta finish. Vince Michelle is a tough fight. Like this is a really good, this is really good matchmaking right now, because Vince Michell can give anybody fits. He's a just a grueling fighter. You know you're not in for an easy night when you fight a guy like that. The dude is just crazy. He's 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 just he's a how do I describe Vince Michelle? He's like Nico Price, but a little more complete if you will like he can grind out things in a different way but nico's like really never out of a fight and vince michelle's really never out of a fight against anybody he he takes on marco madsen is fun and i have heard from eddie cha and captain eric and, and many of the fine coaches over at fight ready that this guy has been a welcome addition to the team not only is he just a great addition as a fighter he's a great addition as a coach as a guy that some of these up and comers can learn from, especially from a wrestling standpoint and a grappling standpoint. So I love the fight. It's going to be one of those fights where you are watching this next Saturday between Marco Madsen and Vince Pachel and you're thinking to yourself, My God, how are these guys doing this? Because this is just a a pace that is just not fair. It's just insane. And it's just be such a grinding, grueling fight. I'm really intrigued by it. It's a sleeper fight on this card for sure, but Marco Madsen in the rankings. He beats Vince Vince Pichelle. And I know how the UFC sort of views a guy like Vince Pichelle. He's going to be getting like a top 20 matchup next. So to say it's too late for top 15, don't necessarily agree with that. But if he wants to crack the top 15, he's got to be Vince Pichelle. And that is not going to be an easy night at the office. I know Joey T has been very patient here. Joey T, good morning. Happy April Fool's Day. Yes, sir. How's everybody going? How's everybody going?
0: Good, man. Um, so, you? I kind of have a question. So, with the pay-per-view coming up, Orlowski's fighting Korean Zombie, which I do feel majority of us do feel that Volkanovski's going to win and contain. So, after he wins that, what's really next? He beat Holloway twice. He beat Ortega. The only other two options I really think of is maybe Yair or the winner of Cater and Allen, maybe,
1: if they ever fight. Uh, we'll see. Thank you, Joey. appreciate you listening. I mean, it's gotta be Max Holloway. It's, it's, it's gotta be Max. Max is the original fight. That's, that's the one that's, that's the money fight in this division, unless somehow you can get Sohudo back. But I don't even think that that is, as, as interested as I would be in seeing Sohudo fight Volkanovsky. I would pick Volkanovsky to win that fight. And I don't think it draws the same amount of interest as a Max Holloway trilogy fight would be because there's a story there. There's There's a lot of people out there who felt Holloway won the second fight. I am not one of those people. I've watched the Volkanovsky fight many times. I got crucified for saying that that fight was not a robbery. I I thought Holloway would win. Volkanovsky won. He lost the first two rounds. I thought Volkanovsky won three, four, and five. Not a robbery. Super close fight. And it's one of those fights that is just not appreciated enough for how great it actually was. Go back and watch that fight. Go back and watch it again. Doesn't matter who won or who lost. That fight is phenomenal. That is the Jose Young's MVP high level martial arts showcase. Go back and watch that fight. If you want to show new fans, you want to show your if, if your girlfriend or your wife is like, why do you watch MMA? Show them that fight. Show them that fight with those two personalities. That's the one you show them. It's so good and it doesn't get talked about enough. And a lot of people thought Holloway won that fight. I thought Volkanovski... There, there's people out there who thought Holloway won the first fight, which I don't agree with at all. Like, you have no... In my eyes, you have no argument there. Second fight, yeah, you do have an argument. But I don't think we know who the better fighter is right now. It's, it's close. And a lot... Like, if you ask 10 MMA fans who the better fighter is between Alexander Volkanovski and Max Holloway, you're probably going to get five that say Volkanovski and five that say Holloway. To me, it's Volkanovski, but by a nose. But that's what makes it so interesting because Holloway made so many great improvements between the first and second fight that I'm curious to see what it would be like the second, between the second and third fight because Holloway bounced back from that second Volkanovsky loss. And we thought his head might not even be in the game. He kept talking. People kept bringing it up and he kept saying, I wasn't over it. I want that fight back. He's getting ready to fight Calvin Cater. And then he goes out and puts, in my opinion, top three greatest individual performances in UFC history against Calvin Cater. I mean, what a performance that was. And then he has that crazy fight with Yair Rodriguez. It's gotta be Max Holloway. It has to be, I know Max was, there were, there were some preliminary talks about maybe doing Max Holloway versus Josh Emmett to headline that Columbus card this past Saturday. It didn't come to fruition. Helwani said it best. It was a hail Mary. They tried. It didn't happen, but now Holloway gets the winner and I think that's what you do at featherweight right now. There's, I mean, there's other guys cater Allen. I like, I think that's, that's the, that's the fight you make. And there is talks preliminary talks right now, uh, of a Yaya Rodriguez, Brian Ortega fight sometime this summer date TBD. I mean, it's being discussed. That's as far as it's at right now. Uh, But that fight is being discussed.
0: And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: Let's get Kevin from Duval. Oh, is going to love this. Kevin, good morning. Hey, hey. Uh, can you hear me? Oh, great. Okay, so I just had a quick question about Roberto Soldich. Uh, I haven't heard anything lately. I know Ariel has said that things were tracking in the right direction going forward. and It looked like he was potentially going to sign after he's got one more fight this summer. Uh, But I was just kind of wondering. I know he fights at 170, 185. He's got a future pending trilogy with Drikus Duplassi in the future, potentially. i just kind of wondering what your thoughts on his potential were uh, going forward in the UFC, assuming he signs there. Uh, later this year and then what you think 170 185 going forward so appreciate your time man great show love it thank you love the question by the way Roberto Soldich is the guy's the real deal he's super legit. Ask Gagard Busasi about Roberto Soldich and he will he will speak a book about how good this guy is and I agree with him this guy is incredible he's a massive star in that part of the globe ksw is a huge promotion a huge promotion may not get the love it deserves here in north america but ksw is massive over there in poland that part of the world that is a gigantic promotion and Soldic is one of the faces of this promotion he is a huge star and his performances speak volumes to how people who are familiar with him actually view this man here's what i know I spoke with sold each. When did I speak with him? February mid to late February. Maybe it was late January. I'm not sure, but from, from all accounts, here's what, what he told me, not this past event, but the event before that sold was sitting down with KSW after that card. He had a number in mind. He was going to present with his management team an offer to KSW. If you want to keep me, I have one fight. And first of all, let me just clear one thing up. Soldich has one fight left on his deal with KSW, but it's one of those situations where it's kind of like Chris Cyborg and Bellator kind of what's being rumored and discussed in far in terms of France and He has one fight on his deal, but come July, I think it's like July 15th. It's sometime in July. If he is not booked to fight, if he does not have a fight on the books, the contract expires. So the way Soldich approached this entire situation was, I understand that the best competition I can have, the best place to cement my legacy, is in the UFC. Right? If I go and fight those guys, that's the best place for my legacy. From what I understand, the conversation between Soldich and KSW was a very good one. Was a very good one to the point where they made him a tremendous offer. I don't know, like. So it just depends on what he wants because should told me that if he goes in there and says, "Here's what I want," and KSW says, "Okay," he was going to re-sign with KSW. And there's, I still think there's a chance he will re-sign with KSW because if the numbers and the terms that I am hearing are are accurate, I mean, i, I, I have a I have a hard time believing he will he will turn that down unless legacy just means that much to him. If it's about money, if money is number one, I think he will stay at KSW. But if it's a combination of of everything and legacy maybe outweighs the wallet. Maybe he goes to the UFC, but you best believe Bellator is going to be a player. One FC one championship is going to be a player. All the promotions are going to be players for this guy. And why wouldn't you be, this guy is that good. He might be the best welterweight in the, he's one of the best welterweights in the world. One of the best middleweights in the world. And I will say that it's just kind of as good as KSW is, The level of competition is not to some of the guys that are ranked in the MMA Fighting Global Rankings in the top 15. Who knows? Maybe they are. But I think Soldich in the UFC gets a big fight right away, immediately. Because it's going to cost you some money to to sign that guy. If the UFC is super interested in Soldich, they're going to have to pay for him. And if they pay for him, what I think it will take to get him over, he's going to get big fights immediately, right out the gate. But I'm excited. I, I mean, wherever this guy ends up, if he ends up. solution, in the UFC is fantastic, but he's going to do what's best for him. KRL, good morning. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Good yourself. Good, good, good. Um, so
4: I was looking at you guys' rankings, which I know are, you know, a a combination of you know a bunch of different staff. Um, one, I'm curious how you combine the rankings from each staff member, but that wasn't the uh, the original question. My question is, in general, I see the number one pound for pound is Kamaru Usman, and, and it's kind of been thrown around as a, a given. Why not Volkanovski? Why not, like, how has Camaro been any more dominant than Volkanovski? I think, if anything, Volkanovski has had to face more difficult competition in Max Holloway than Camaro has in Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, thank you, Carol. First off, let me just say that is a tremendous question. And, it, and in my opinion, it is a question a lot of people should be asking. Because I actually I, – I don't think Volkanovsky gets enough love. I don't think he gets enough respect. And let me see where I have Volkanovsky. I, Volk- I currently have, in my rankings, to peel back the curtain, I have Volkanovsky fourth. Pound for pound, I have Usman, Enganu, Adasanya, Volkanovsky. So he is number four in my eyes, and you can make a strong argument that he could be three or two, or he, I mean, I I don't think we could put him at number one yet. I think he's super close. He's very close. He's that good. But the fact that he's in, he's above Oliveira in my rankings. He's above. Uh, he's above Stipe. He's above a lot of guys, and I hate. I hate the pound for pound discussion but I think if we look at top 5 top 10 pound for pound I think you can kind of interweave I think it's pretty clear. I think the top 5 is pretty clear. I think Usman and Gano, Adesanya, Volkanovski, Oliveira, those should be the five guys and then just kind of mix and match between them and then the rest you just kind of playing semantics. You're just kind of figuring out like where do we put this guy? Where do we put this guy? You could flip-flop a lot of different guys. But as long as Volkanovsky is in your top five somehow, I don't think I don't think it's that disrespectful. Uh, but him not being in your top five, I think it's super disrespectful. And let me just look at the ranking. I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but there are a few people who do not have Volkanovsky in their top fives right now. There are people on our rankings who have Max Holloway ranked above Volkanovsky. We have people in our rankings who have Volkanovsky ranked 15th pound for pound right now. And I'm not going to call this person out, but that is egregious. And you should be ashamed of yourself. Let's bring in no-name MMA. Good morning. Uh, I doing? have a quick question.
2: Uh, in the next five years, what do you see being a better weight class in terms of matchups? light like heavyweight or heavyweight? Now that we got all this new blood coming into heavyweight recently.
1: Five years from now. Great question. I don't even know what I'm doing five minutes from now. But let's uh, let's take a gander. Let's take a look here. I mean, I think I'd say heavyweight. I mean, I think heavyweight always will win that argument just because it's, it's heavyweight. It's the flagship division for the UFC. It's the reason why sometimes when you look at these fight night cards, that even though there's like 17 better fights on said fight night card, that the co-made event is a matchup between top 40 heavyweights. It's just the way they look at the division, but I mean, you got guys like Tai Tuivasa. You got Curtis Blades, who's still pretty young. I think we still see him around in five years. Tommy Aspinall is on the way up. And as long as you can throw Tommy Aspinall in a fight in the UK and have him in main events for the next five years, I feel like heavyweight will get a better spotlight upon it. Light heavyweight, I mean, you got some good you got some good guys in there. Like Jamal Hill is, is a guy you could certainly watch. Paul Craig's making moves. Um, but then it's just, I mean... I don't know. I, I'm going with heavyweight, but I see where you're coming from. Like, Yuri is super exciting. There's a lot of other exciting 205ers. Jamal Hill is probably the guy that could be the flag the, the flag holder, if you will, in terms of young guys trying to make that leap up the top of this division. But I feel like heavyweight will, will always win out in, in these types of discussions. So uh, we'll take a few more. Joshua, let's bring Joshua in. What's up, Josh? Just make sure you're on mute. Are
5: you there? All right. I'm here. I'm here. Sorry about that. It was Bluetooth issue. All good, man. All right. So All I want going? to talk women's strawweight. I do not understand right. why nobody is talking about Marina Rodriguez and why and how she should be fighting for the title next. So my question is, is. After destroying Mackenzie Dern like that, having such a good fight with Yan Xiaonan, which came down to a split decision, you could say that Yan won. I mean, you could argue that side, but Marina wins the fight, and everybody's talking about Carla Esparza right there, and obviously that's the next thing, but I feel like Marina's not getting the love that she deserves. So what do you think? Do you think that she should be fighting for the title next, or...
1: What do you think about that? Let me ask you this. If you had the mighty pencil, Joshua, are you booking Marina Rodriguez over Carla? No, 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 no. Against I'm, Rose, right? No, okay, no, that's okay, not. Okay. I'm saying okay. she's next. And she should right. not fight okay, again. No, I'm, yeah, before fighting. Okay. So, thank you. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Marina Rodriguez, her, her next fight should be for the belts. I mean, if she wants to take one more fight and just stay active and stay loose and, you know, build her confidence up, sure. But there's some dangerous matchups. You would have to think, like, if she fights again, she's going to fight either Jessica Andrade or Amanda Lemos because they're those two are both to headline a card. So you'd have to think that would be the direction they would go. And maybe she does take that fight. Who knows? We have to remember also that Rose... Has been a little more active, but she's not the most active fighter. You're not going to see her for the most part fight three, four times a year. She's you, if you get her twice, that's a that's a banner year uh, for Nami Yunus fans. So, and this fight is happening in May, so maybe you get one more out of Rose. So, I mean, I would listen. I I think I think Marina should fight for the belt. In fact, I said if you listen to our on to the next one prediction show where AK and I went through each division and predicted who the champions would be, I predicted Marina Rodriguez would end the year as champion. So, I mean, maybe that's a bold pick, but that was my selection. I I feel like after watching the Anjanan fight, if I could make that pick again, I'll be honest, I probably wouldn't make it, but I do stand by it. I do stand by it. But Marina winning that fight, I can understand why people kind of questions the decision, but... I scored it for Marina. I didn't think it was like a big robbery, but it was a super close fight. And it was a fight that she needed at that time. So, And for Carla Esparza, she is super lucky because because if Mackenzie Dern had beat Marina Rodriguez, Mer- Mackenzie Dern would be fighting for the title right now, not Carla Esparza. and That is unfair, and it's blasphemous. It's a bunch of BS, but Carla gets her title shot, and we'll see what, what she does with it. Let's bring Tony in. We'll take a couple more. This has been a hell of a free-for-all Friday, everybody. Thank you so much. Tony, good morning.
3: Hey, good morning. How's it going? Good yourself? It's going pretty well.
1: What's up? i just hanging out. You got anything? No, not, sure. not really. Anything? All right. Well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate that. Positive vibes on this April Fool's Day. Oh, boy. All right. Let's bring him in. Let's bring him in. Speaking of robberies, this man feels he might have been robbed by the people on BTL yesterday. Let us welcome in our good friend, New York Rick. Good morning, Rick. Heck of a morning. How are you doing? Wonderful. Yourself? I'm
3: doing well. Um, I'm loving
1: the show. It's been great this week. I wanted to uh, get a little insight. You're our fearless morning leader now. What's the Mike Heck daily routine? like? How do we start this morning? that gets us up to this moment right here. And then I also, I'm going to hang up and listen in a second, but I also want to say, um, I want to continue the the train of kudos to you. Um, really, really nice touch yesterday with the
3: early April fool's joke of pretending that Connor won. That was a nice thing to do for a baby <laughs> rookie on BTL. So I appreciate you doing that hanging up and listening.
1: Uh, thanks buddy. That's hilarious. Uh, All right. So the Mike had daily routine. So this morning would be a heck of a morning, kind of a morning. Uh, So my ass was out of bed. Alarm going off at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. I am up. I am getting ready. I am getting dressed and I'm hopping in the car and I'm driving to the gym and then I go and get an hour, hour and a half workout in. It all depends on how much time I have because I do have a almost nine year old that I have to come back at a decent enough hour to get him ready to go to school. So I will come home, I will make his lunch, I will wake him up, make his breakfast, sit him down, I will take a shower, and then I will walk him and the dog to school, and then I will walk the dog back, and then I will come in, and I will get everything ready for the show. So that's how it works. Uh, I try to get to bed around 9, 9.30. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it does not, uh, especially working in this space, but that is usually the plan. Um it does change like if I have a day off or it's a day before a fight card and I'm doing preview shows and stuff like that normally my my shift starts a little bit later but with this new show now that's probably going to be my ter- Tuesday Thursday Friday routine next week will be will be interesting because the Jacksonville will be on the road but I would assume it's going to be pretty much the same wake up at 4 4:30 get a workout in get ready have some breakfast and Get your coffee ready. Oh, yeah. I forgot the Dunkin' Donuts trip. 6 a.m. I go to Dunkin' Donuts, 6, 6.15. Get the mobile order, pull in, grab it, get in the car, go home, and get my kid ready for school. Uh, all right. Taking two more. Above Average Dave. Good hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me on. So, quick question. So, aside from uh, fighter pay and judging, what's something that you think could really use some updating or something you'd like to see changed in the MMA landscape? Good question. Um, I would say, I mean, I, I will go directly to the UFC and allowing fighters to show their personalities. Like, just be yourself. I hate the uniform stuff. I get why they're doing it. It's a business thing. And if you want to do the sponsored uniforms and all that stuff, tremendous, I, I that's fine. But you have to allow fighters to showcase their personalities. It's just so vanilla. It's so vanilla. Like you come out, you walk to the cage, you're wearing the same stuff and, you know, it's I mean, open things up a little bit more. That's, that's my thing. I know I'm not alone on that, but that's, that'd be a big thing for me as far as the UFC goes. And obviously uh, the stuff that you just mentioned fighter pay and things like that, those are obviously one and two, but if the, the UFC just, you know, throw on some chocolate chips into that vanilla, let's have some fun. Let's do some interesting things. Like the ultimate fighter, Come on. It's the same friggin' show. It's the same show it's been for 20 friggin' years now. We're still wearing basketball jerseys on The Ultimate Fighter. Come on, dude. Enough is enough. Let's open things up. Let's have some fun. Let's do a Grand Prix every once in a while. Let's just have some fun. I think that's the thing. MMA is supposed to be fun. The UFC is the flagship promotion. Let's have some fun. All right, I'm going to take two more. I lied. Dax, you've been waiting for a while. What's up, man? Hey, Mike. Um, So quick question about Eagle FC.
3: Um, So I know that Ali has a pretty heavy involvement with matchmaking, recruiting, and all that. I'm just curious. Is that, from like a, not even ethical, but a legal standpoint, is that something that's allowed in,
1: you know, sports management? Interesting question, Dax. I mean, I, I've had, I have a lot of questions about Eagle FC. I, 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 like the production. I like what they're trying to do, especially bringing it over to the U S they're bringing in big names and, and so forth. And so on, I do have questions, especially on that standpoint from, from an ethical side. But again, this is MMA. It's not boxing. Nothing. I mean, it's, we saw it in the, in, in the world, world series of fighting. We saw it in, we're seeing in Eagle. We're seeing in other promotions as well. Ariel talked about one particular instance on Wednesday's MMA hour. It's just, it is what it is. No one's doing anything to stop it. So whatever. I mean, there's certain things that I would like to see. Like if Ali is involved, I mean, whatever. Um, I'm just, I'm curious to see how that affects pay in the promotion. Like what's the difference between the fighters that are on the dominance MMA roster compared to the fighters that they bring in to compete against the fighters in the dominance roster. That's what I want to know because in Florida, we used to get those payout structures, but now we don't, you could say like that is in, you could say it's private and you, and they won't release it. So, and I have requested the last two cards to get payouts. And uh, I've gotten the same response from the commission both times. This is it's under lock and key and they've chosen to keep it private and we will respect that. So, yeah, there's questions, tons of them. The matchmaking is another thing, but, yeah, I mean, but this is MMA, and this Eagle FC is not the only promotion that that does this stuff. So, Tristan Gordetz, what's up? Hey, Tristan, are you there? I'm here, I'm here. Sorry about that. What's up, All buddy?
2: All right, listen. So, let's go back to an episode on to the next one. This is after matches have to make UFC two seventy two. <laughs> okay, I'm watching it. You're going, or like you were talking, you know, you were giving the fight suggestions, and one of one of the uh, listeners suggested uh, Miranda Mirage versus Aaron Blanchfield. I'm like, that's a good fight. Well, let's do this. And A K Lee, oh my goodness, just it just felt so disrespectful when he says. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think is uh, ready for Mirage. I think, I think she needs. And I understand. I understand. A.K. Lee, slow build. You know, very conservative at that point. But if he can't see Aaron Blanfield for what she is, like that woman, I know you're high on her. I'm very high on her. I think she could beat a lot of those girls in that flyweight division from ten to fifteen at most. And for, for, for AK to, and, I, and mind you, I I went, like after that episode, I direct messaged him on Instagram and let him know how I <laughs> felt about that. We, I think I think the next episode, he actually mentioned me about how I went after him about Aaron Blanchard. And he's like, well, I've been high on Aaron Blanchard episodes, but I'm like, the disrespect, though, that he, it just came off. Like he was, dis- like he dismissed the random Maverick fight. I was just like, I went back and I watched that fight again. And I'm like, to do that to to do that to Miranda Maverick, Miranda Maverick was on the stool, frustrated, dealing with Aaron Blanford. Blanford was like, after the fight, was like, oh, that was easier than I thought. And I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, yo, this girl is no joke. And she's going to beat a lot of your favorite fighters in that flyweight division. And for AK, for the disrespect, and this is the, and, and listen, I know I bring this up all the time. I think I've asked this question to you. Of like, who do we decipher that is going to that you put the rockets on and shoot them up and feel that yo this person's special? I think she, they should be fighting ranked fighters, and then who actually needs that slow bill? So I put the question to you: like, you just got isn't it just more of like yo when you look at a fighter like this girl? Shit, I don't care. She's got three fights. I want them fighting ranked fighters, and then others. Yeah, you need that slow bill and need a little bit more seasoning. So just. Just tell me, Mike. That um, how do you you know decipher which is that needs the rocket ship shot up and which is like okay a little bit more seasoning? I know we talk about this all the time, but I'm I'm like, hey, K man, I don't, if you can't see the specialness in Eric Blanchard, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Uh, I'm
1: done with my writing, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Damn, Tristan, bringing that heat. Dig it. Uh, I mean, it's 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 always tough. I think there's. They're super special fighters that just have the entire package. It's not just the ability to compete in the cage, it's the ability to draw interest out of it as well on social media, things like that, personality and interviews and things like that. And we can all sort of agree that Hamzat has that in his own special way. Not only is he going out there and just drilling these fighters, he's not getting hit at all, he's doing it in such dominant fashion. And then he goes out and does interviews and he does all this YouTube content and and people just are interested in this man. They have, they they want to see what he's going to do next there. That's one of those special fighters. I would put Muhammad Mahayev as another guy that I think is in that boat as well. Great in the cage built a platform outside of professional MMA multi-time amateur world champion. He's got a great personality. That's a guy I think is a super special fighter. I think Erin Blanchfield is a, is a very special fighter as well. I think she will fight for a UFC title. In fact, I think she will be at some point a UFC champion. I think time is on her side. It's just a weird time in this division right now because you have this almost second generation of women's flyweights. You have the Casey O'Neills, we're seeing Manon Fioro who's going to be a top 5 125 I think she came in at like number 6 or number 7. I actually think she's ranked behind Jennifer Maya after just beating her, which I felt was kind of weird, but okay. And then you have Aaron Blanchfield, Miranda Maverick. Aaron I think just has to I don't know. Her per, like she's just she's all business and there's nothing wrong with that. She's all business. Um I think you just kind of build her up. She's still super young. She's still super young, so like that that personality will develop over time, and I think the more she wins, I think it's just kind of getting her out there and getting those reps in. Because Miranda's a great win, but now we, I think now you get a vet tester. Throw her in there with a with someone who has been in there five or six times. Like for instance, if something happens, let's just say Casey O'Neill can't make it. Something happens, and Jessica I needs a new opponent. I think Aaron Blanchfield slides right in there. I think that's that that's a fine matchup of a veteran that she could do very well in, but it's also a risky thing because if she loses, then you kind of take her back a little bit. We saw what happened with Miranda Maverick. People like just kind of lost. They, they, they didn't feel like maybe maybe she's not as good as we thought she was. She's lost two in a row. I still thought she won the the, the Macy Barber fight, but I don't know, man. It's, it's one of those things. It's, it's a good problem to have when you have all these contenders and you have a dominant champion, but you still have veteran names in the mix too because Misha Tate now going to 125 kind of mixes things up as well. Because if she goes out there and she beats Lauren Murphy in July, you best believe they're going to throw Misha in a title fight with Valentina Shevchenko. And if Lauren Murphy wins that fight, that tells me Valentina Shevchenko will probably not defend her title again. If she beats Tyler Santos, she probably goes up to 135 and tries for the second title. At least that's how I would book it. And she has the chance to become a two-division champion. Alright, I'm gonna do take one more because Dana Spite wanted to get on last week. We had some tech last show, we had some technical difficulties. We couldn't get him in, and now he's out again. Unfreaking believable. Oh well. All right, listen. I've given you a lot of time. Oh, wait a minute. Dana Spite, are you there? Come on, dude. No. Five, four, three, two. One, Dana, we will try again unless you just try to April Fool's me, and if so, well played. Alright, it is 9.07. I've given you a lot of time this morning and we are done. So, thank you all. Apologies to Elon, Zach, and Four Corner Sports. Casual fail. We'll get you in on Tuesday. I promise. Tuesday show, I don't know when it's going to happen. It's a travel day. We'll make it happen at some point. Okay, We will have a show on Tuesday uh, and then I will be in Jacksonville Tuesday nights. And then I'll be there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Obviously we will do shows on Thursday. We'll do shows on Friday before the weigh-ins on Friday. And we will have some fun, some interviews, all sorts of fun stuff. And even ally Quinta said he was up for uh, doing some co-hosting for one of these shows while we're in Jacksonville. So stay tuned for that. What a week it has been. It has been a heck of a morning. It has been a heck of a week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for participating. If you just came in late, The show will be up on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network very soon. And once again, a reminder from the beginning of the show, it is April 1st. It is April Fool's Day. Be careful what you read on the internet. In terms of MMA news, make sure you verify who it's coming from. If something's fishy, don't believe it. If it comes from a credible source, believe it. Don't let the day fool you. So have a wonderful rest of your Friday. Thank you very much. Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Podcast Network.